This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فإذا سلخ الأشهر الحرم فاقتلوا المشركين حيث وجدتموهم وخذوهم واحصروهم واقعدوا لهم كل مرصد فإن تابوا وأقاموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة فخلوا سبيلهم إن الله غفور رحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ثم ما بعد everyone assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we are this is the last session i'm going to do on the subject of nasakh on the subject of abrogation meaning one part of the quran canceling out the ruling or the application of another part of the quran uh, we're talking about this because, of course, the ayah under discussion is, you know, مَنَنْ سَخْمٍ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُنْسِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا أَوْ مِثْلِهَا أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيلٍ That we don't abrogate or rule out one ayah or make it forgotten except that we bring something in replacement of it or something better. Don't you know Allah is capable of everything? And as a result of this ayah, as I previously mentioned, some have believed that there are parts of the Qur'an that cancel out other parts of the Qur'an, right? And I gave you five examples of that last time. Uh, of the five cases that Shawulullah the Hilbi believes are one part canceling out the other, and we reconciled those, at least attempted to. But I left this one on purpose because this is the, I would say, the, the most important one. And in order to give you an introduction to this, one has to understand a little bit of a summary of the Prophet's life, Sallallahu in regards to this ayah. The, the ayah I'm actually re- I recited in the beginning isn't from Baqarah, it's from Surah At-Tawbah. And uh, just one thing about Surah At-Tawbah, it's one of two surahs that were revealed all the way at the end of the Prophet's life. So the majority of the Qur'an had already come down, and there were two big surahs left that were revealed. There are some smaller revelations, but the two major surahs that were revealed at the end of the Prophet's life, are Surah At-Tawbah, the ninth surah, and Surah Al-Ma'idah, the fifth surah. So these two are very important to understand the end of the Prophet's mission. Anyway, the ayah in question belongs to the ninth surah, Surah At-Tawbah. It's the only surah of the Qur'an that doesn't begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim as some of you might know. And that'll come under discussion a little bit today too. Now, the reason this ayah is important to, to study and understand is because essentially the, the argument is that Rasulullah wasallam, when he first received revelation, he was told, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq, recite. You know, and then he was told to warn, Qum fa'anthir, rise up and warn. Bashiran wa nadira, you've been sent as someone who gives good news and gives warnings uh, to preach to people. And when people make fun of you and people insult you and humiliate you, you must learn lessons from the life of Nuh or the life of Salih and the life of Shu'aib. Those prophets went through the same thing and you're going through the same thing. If they're calling you a liar, well, those who came before you were called liars too, right? So Allah gave story after story after story of previous prophets to basically serve as a model for our messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam because he's going through the same thing right and he went through the same thing essentially all throughout the period of Mecca right so in that entire time rasulullah sallallahu is basically living the same legacy of the other prophets that are mentioned in the quran 
But then the Prophet ﷺ migrates to Medina. And when he migrates to Medina, things change a little bit. Because now Allah revealed, not that you must preach, and if they beat you up, and if they torture you or punish you, just be patient. Like you know, you remember the famous story when some of the early companions, early people of Mecca accepted Islam, some of them were starting to get tortured, like the family of Yasir. And what did the Prophet say to them? Did he say, fight in the path of Allah and defend yourself? Fight those who fight you? No. He just said, Ismiru ya ala Yasir. You know, just be patient, family of Yasir. Quran will later on comment on this and say, remind the Muslims that you were told before, kufu aidiyakum, hold your hands back. Don't fight. But then when the Prophet moves to Medina, there's a different kind of injunction. And the injunction is, you know, Allah Azza wa Jal will mention in Surah Al-Baqarah, for instance, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Fight in Allah's path, those who are fighting you. وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا Just don't cross the line, don't go overboard. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ Allah doesn't like those who cross the limits. Now this is a different policy. The previous policy was patience and preaching. That was the previous policy. But once the Prophet has moved to Medina وسلم, there are military campaigns. And he's engaging the Meccans in all-out war. Actually, even if you, if you don't know, the Battle of Badr, the first major battle in Islamic history in the life of the Prophet وسلم, was actually, if you study it carefully, it was something provoked by the Messenger himself. He went to Medina, he's there for six months, and he starts sending small you know, militia groups to attack the trade routes of the Meccans. And they actually, a number of successful attacks take place, one of them fails. One of them, we tried to catch them, they got away. And that was Abu Sufyan's caravan. And they got away and they came back the long way back, because they knew the Muslims would try to get them again. They came back and he reported, they tried to attack me. And that's when they were ready to go all out war. So, you know, there's some other smaller stuff that's happening that led to this kind of war situation. But anyway, so now the policy is fight in the path of Allah. So no longer do you find the ayat being revealed about be patient like Nuh salam or, you know, just, just when they say something, wahjurhum hajran jamila, walk away and be, you know, in, in the most beautiful way. Those ayat are no longer coming. Now the ayat are about qital and fighting in the path of Allah and the hypocrites who refuse to fight in the path of Allah seems like a new policy. But even in that policy, what seemed to be the case was Allah said, you can fight those who have what? Fought you. Those who are fighting you, you can fight, fight back with them. In other words, this is reactionary. It's retaliation. It's not you just pick anybody and fight with them. You react and fight with them. That seems to be the policy. But then, there's the final version. And that's Surah At-Tawbah. That's the surah we're discussing right now. And in Surah At-Tawbah, something was given that wasn't given before. And what's called in famous Islamic literature, they call this Ayatul Saif. Uh, the, the ayat, the, the revelations of the sword. That's what they call them. Okay? And though the entire surah is pretty intense, there are a couple of ayat that are argued more commonly by others. That's actually even a disagreement, which are the ayat of the sword. There's even a discussion about that. But the most common one or two of them, and I'll, I, I started with one of them. I want to read this to you because I want to show you how this policy seems different from all previous policies. When the sacred months are all done, so there are four months that are sacred in Islam, when those months are all done, by the way, this revelation came when the Prophet had already conquered Makkah. Okay, so Makkah is conquered, the mushrikun have been defeated, there's no longer any war left, it's over. Okay, now this revelation has come. When the, when the sacred months have run out, when they're done, فَقْتُلُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُهُمْ Kill the people of shirk, kill the mushrikeen wherever you find them. Kill them wherever you find them. Wait a second. Are you gonna kill them because they're fighting you now? No, they've already been defeated. They're done. They, they, they've been crushed now. They, they actually... 
The announcement made to the mushrikeen is, you better know, you have no hopes of overpowering Allah anymore. You have no hopes of ever making a comeback. They're being told this in their face in Makkah, how that the Muslims have taken over. That was the announcement made at the Hajj. I want you to understand the irony. You know, years ago, the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba would get beat up for praying at the Kaaba. And now within those 20 years, 23 years, Rasul is being told, and he sent actually these, these revelations were given to, the Prophet was received them in Medina. He sent Ali radiallahu anhu to go to Hajj and recite these to the public. And the majority public at the time wasn't the Muslims. The majority public still in Mecca were the mushrikun. And they were told, hey, you guys, four months. And once the four months are done, kill the mushrikeen wherever you find them. Now the question is, are these combatants or are these civilians? It actually seems like they are what? Civilians. Civilians. This has never been the policy before. وَخُذُوهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ Grab them. Encircle them. Surround them. وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ كُلَّ مَرْصَدْ And sit in every place you can find to ambush them. That's pretty intense stuff. And then he says, فَإِنْتَابُوا And by the way, how many months did Allah say? Four, right? The sacred months. He said, and if they were to make tawbah, وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَعْتَوُوا الزَّكَاءَ And if they were going to pray, establish the prayer, and give zakah, فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ Then leave their path alone. Then you can let them go. Unless they, unless they become Muslim, you're going to find them, and you're going to execute them. That's what was revealed. إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ And at the end Allah says, by the way, if they accept Islam, then certainly Allah is extremely forgiving, always loving and merciful. That's one ayah that's considered the ayah of the sword. I think you can understand why. Right? It's pretty intense and ruthless in what has been given. There's no <laughs> exceptions. And this deals with the mushrikeen. The next ayah within the same surah, is the 29th ayah, it deals with the people of the book. Because the Prophet had two audiences, He had the mushrikun and he had the Yehud and Nasara of Medina. So about them, Allah says, قَاتِلُوا الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَلَا بِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Fight those who don't believe in Allah, nor do they believe in the last day. وَلَا يُحَرِّمُونَ مَا حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And they don't declare forbidden whatever Allah and His Messenger have declared forbidden. They don't believe in the same haram that we do. That's the distinction between us and them. وَلَا يَدِينُونَ دِينَ الْحَقِّ And they don't live by the religion of truth. Meaning they haven't accepted what? Islam. وَلَا يَدِينُونَ دِينَ الْحَقِّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ These people that you must fight belong to those that were given the book. Who, who are we supposed to fight now? The Jews and the Christians. مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ حَتَّى يُعْطُوا الْجِزْيَةِ And you keep fighting them until they pay a tax, the tax, الْجِزْيَةِ Okay, this is a subservience tax, subservience tax. وَهُمْ عَنْ يَدٍ And they give you the tax humbly. They actually like put their hands forward, like please take this from us. Like they're humbled when they give. وَهُمْ صَاغِرُونَ And they are humiliated. They give it voluntarily and they're humiliated. Saghir in Arabic comes from the word saghir, which means small. But sighar and saghir and saghir, these words are also used when somebody is, somebody's put in a superior position, and somebody's humiliated and put in a smaller position. Okay? So, you know, in, even in, in other literature, even in Urdu, kisi ki brai karna, ya kisi ko chota dikhana. Right? We, we use this kind of phrasing, right? So to, to make someone feel small, even in English literature. You made someone feel small or insignificant. They must, they must be made to feel insignificant. Mahum saghirun. So between these two ayat, our policy towards the mushrikun is wherever we find them, we will kill them. And the other side is the Jews and the Christians will fight them until they're ready to pay tax and be humbled before us. That seems to be the policy in the, one of the last surahs revealed in the Qur'an. Now as a result of that, a lot of ulama said, 
Well, now that this, these two ayat have come down and the ayat of Saif have come down, then previously there was a, an ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah said, لَا إِكْرَاهَ فِي الدِّينِ there's, no there's no possibility of forcing anyone in terms of religion. There's no pressure when it comes to religion. We said, no, this ayah is now mansukh. This ayah is no longer applicable because four months later, what do you do? Either kill them or leave them alone if they do what? If they accept. Isn't that kind of forcing them? Like when you're ready to kill someone and say, well, I won't kill you if you convert, but I'm not forcing you. <laughs> That's forcing them, isn't it? So they use this to say, well, the, the phrase in Qur'an, لا إكراه في الدين, there's no compulsion in religion, there's no forcing anybody into religion, is no longer applicable. This is the final version. Obviously what comes later should cancel out what came before. So that's one, one interpretation. The other thing they said is, previously Allah had said, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Fight in the path of Allah, those who fight you. In other words, when were we allowed to fight? When they fought us. But now that Surah At-Tawbah came, were we fighting people who are fighting us? No. So they said, even this is no longer the rule, this is cancelled too. This used to be temporary, so we could deal with them, but now that Islam is victorious, we will fight anyone who's mushrik, whether they fight us or not. And we will overpower anyone who's Jewish and Christian and fight them until they give what? And th- until they give jizya. It doesn't matter if they fought us or not. We will fight them. Our foreign policy as Muslims from now until the day of judgment will be, we will continue to fight and make jihad and conquer and conquest and conquer and conquest. Because Surah At-Tawbah has come. It cancels everything that came before it. Th- this, by the way, I, what I've just explained to you in, in brief, I, I don't want to get into details and quote the ulama that talked about this and all of that. That's for maybe a later discussion. Maybe one day when we get to Surah At-Tawbah in our durus itself. But for now what I wanted to share with you is, if you accept this premise, then there's a lot of trouble coming. <laughs> I mean, a lot of what is considered extremism or you know, craziness nowadays, radicalism, things like that. Even the, our scholars and pe- other people within mainstream Islam will say, this is too far, this is not what we believe, etc., but this was classically held, actually. Some scholars did hold this view. They actually believed this to be the case, that these ayat have come and therefore what came before has been cancelled out. So my job today, inshallah ta'ala, is to show you why that is not the case. That's what I'm going to try to explain. Why Surah At-Tawbah did not cancel out what came before and how do we understand Surah At-Tawbah properly and actually put it in its right place. So let's begin that discussion, inshallah ta'ala. The first thing I want to share with you in this, along these lines there's two things to share, but the first of them is that the Surah At-Tawbah is extremely specific. Extremely, extremely specific. What do I mean? Rasulullah was given Qur'an and some Qur'an talks about patience. Is patience only for the Sahaba or is patience only for the people that first heard those ayat or is patience for all human beings until the Day of Judgment? It's for all of them, right? When Allah talks about taqwa or iman or patience or truth or justice or prohibited or halal and haram, these are things that are timeless, aren't they? But then there are things in Qur'an that are very, very specific to the situation that the Prophet is going through wasallam, a situation that will never repeat itself again. And what becomes very, very clear over and over again in the entirety of Surah At-Tawbah is that it's extremely, extremely what? Specific. That's the first observation I want to make. And for that, I took a selection of a few ayat just to show you how you can't actually use this and say this applies universally for all times or it's applicable in any situation. Let's, let's see how. 
Even how the surah begins, بَرَاءَةٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى الَّذِينَ عَاهَدْتُ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ An announcement has come from Allah and His Messenger to those who you made agreements with among the mushrikeen. Because the Muslims had agreements between you know, Hudaybiyah and Fath Makkah, we had agreements with the tribes. So Allah says, now the Prophet is saying, I am declaring that those contracts that we made are null and void. Allah is announcing those contracts no longer count. The ones you made with the mushrikeen. Who made the contracts? They were allowed by Allah, but who actually signed the contracts? The Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And He made them with the mushrikeen, and you were, you were all involved in making those agreements. Is that something that will ever repeat itself? It's specific to the, that particular era between Hudaybiyah and the coming of, you know, uh, of Fath Makkah. Then he says, فَسِيحُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّكُمْ غَيْرُ مُعْجِزِ اللَّهِ You can still, even though the, Allah is saying the contracts are null and void, but it, there's a four-month grace period. You can go around in the land for four months and know that even in those four months, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to overpower Allah or humble the cause of Allah anymore. وَأَذَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ إِلَى النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرِ And an announcement is being made on the toward to uh, uh, announcement is being made towards all people, everybody around, the day of the great greatest Hajj, يَوْمَ الْحَجِّ الْأَكْبَرِ. It's called الْحَجُّ الْأَكْبَرِ for several reasons. One of the reasons it's called الْحَجُّ الْأَكْبَرِ is Umrah was also called Hajj back in the day, but the actual Hajj, the one that we're now, we know now that's going on, that's called Hajj. Al-Akbar. Some, some Desis are confused. If Hajj falls on a Friday, it's Hajj Akbar. No, no, no. Al-Hajj Al-Akbar is actually the Hajj. That's what it's called. Otherwise, even when you go for Umrah in Old Arabic, and even in the Quran, sometimes that's called Hajj also. Okay? Make the announcement on the day of Hajj to the people that are there at the Hajj that Allah has nothing to do with the mushrikeen anymore and His Messenger has nothing to do with them either. Is that ever going to happen again? Are you ever going to go to the Kaaba and make an announcement we have nothing to do with the mushrikeen that are listening? This is extremely specific to what was going on. And then on top of that, فَإِذًا سَلَخَ الْأَشْرُهُ The ayah I read to you, when the four months are done, remember what Allah said about four months? You can go around, do whatever you want four months. You want to leave this region? Go ahead. You want to get your weapons ready? Go ahead. You want to become Muslim? Go ahead. But this is it. This, this is what you've been given. And I, I'll explain the rationale behind this later. Right now the part of our discussion is why this is specific and it cannot be used to generalize. That's the part of the discussion right now. Now, by the way, uh, kill the mushrikeen wherever you find them, grab them, surround them, wait for them in every place of ambush you can. That's the policy given to all the Muslims. Have we ever applied this policy in the history of Islam? Muslims went to India, didn't they? Majority of the people in India were what religion? Hindus. Southeast Asia, Buddhists. If you're going to recite Surah Tawbah, well, the sacred months are done. It's time for hunting season. Then you kill them wherever you find them. And you find any alley, any corner, and you hide in there, because wait for them every place you can, where you can just jump out and stab them. You know, to place a place to ambush them and surround them. And if they, if they establish the prayer and give zakah, then leave their path alone. Like you're about to kill him, and he's like, La ilaha illallah. They're like, okay, go ahead. You go ahead. Did that ever happen? Everybody understood historically, these ayat are specifically talking about the punishment given to Quraysh. Nobody ever applied this in our history. To say this is the foreign policy of Islam, it doesn't add up. Not, not only does it not add up from the point of view of seerah, it doesn't even add up from the point of view of our history. 
Then just more specifics. أَلَا تُقَاتِلُونَ قَوْمًا نَكَثُوا أَيْمَانَهُمْ وَهَمُّوا بِإِخْرَاجِ الرَّسُولِ Aren't you gonna fight people who, can't, who violated every time they made a promise and they wanted to kick the messenger out himself? Who are you fighting in this surah? The people who originally wanted to kick out the messenger Is that ever gonna happen again? Look at the next case. قَاتِلُوهُمْ يُعَذِّبُهُمُ اللَّهُ بِأَيْدِيكُمْ Actually, I won't explain this one. I'll leave this one for last because this is, this is something else. مَا كَانَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَنْ يَعْبُرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ شَاهِدِنَا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ بِالْكُفْرِ It's not right for mushrikeen to build any masjid and to take care of any masjid. And they're, 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 they're proud of testifying to their kufr. What's Allah making reference to? The mushrikun used to take care of the Kaaba. And Allah is saying they have no right to be taking care of a masjid. That's not their, their thing to do. That's, the masjid is for Muslims, for believers. Is that ever gonna happen again? That mushrikun are fighting to build a masjid? <laughs> you know? يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنَّمَا الْمُشْرِكُونَ نَجَسٌ فَلَا يَقْرَبُوا الْمَسْجِدَ الْحَرَامَ بَعْدَ عَامِهِمْ هَذَا Look at the specific nature of the language. Those of you who believe, know that the, the, the mushrikun are now filth, and they should not come near al-masjid al-haram after this year, particularly this year. And so, and, and by the way, the Muslims are told, فَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ عَيْلَةً فَسَوْفَ يُغْنِيكُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ And if you're afraid of becoming bankrupt, why would the Muslims be afraid of becoming bankrupt? See, the Kaaba used to be visited by all the tribes, because all the tribes had their idols there. And so when people come and visit, you get tourist economy. Everybody comes, spends money there, stays there for a little bit, buys food there, does business there. And that's why that economy was flourishing, because all the tribes used to come and give business to Makkah. And now Muslims have taken over. Muslims are not the majority. Muslims are the minority in the region. And now they're saying nobody can come to the, the Kaaba anymore. Only the believers can come to the Kaaba. Which means all the business will die, isn't it? So Allah says, listen, they will not come here anymore. And if you're afraid of bankruptcy, يُغْنِيكُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ Allah will make you rich from His, His blessing. There was no oil yet, guys. There was no hajj visas yet. There was no millions of people coming and applying and getting rejected because there's too many people applying. That wasn't happening yet. The discussion then was, if you're afraid you're going to go bankrupt, there's not going to be any money left in Mecca because nobody's going to come anymore. Don't worry, Allah will give you. In other words, Allah is solving a problem that is there at that very immediate moment. He says, you know, يُرِدُونَ أَن يُطْفِئُوا نُورَ اللَّهِ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ وَيَعْبَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا أَن يُتِمَّ نُورَهُ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْكَافِرُونَ They want to extinguish Allah's light out with their mouths. They want to do propaganda and finish off the mission of the Prophet ﷺ. And Allah refuses to accept any alternative except that He will complete His light. He will not let them continue the cause of kufr anymore. This is, this is really interesting. He says, as far as Allah is concerned, there's supposed to be 12 months in a year. Now that seems really obvious to everybody. Yeah, obviously there's 12 months in a year. Allah is talking, first of all, He'll explain something. Yes, 12 months are always supposed to be the case. And this was the way Allah decreed things since the time He created the skies and the earth. And four of those months are supposed to be considered sacred. ذَلِكَ الدِّينُ الْقَيِّمُ That is the well-established religion. فَلَا تَظْلِمُوا فِيهِنَّا أَنفُسَكُمْ Don't wrong yourselves in those sacred months. Don't do anything wrong to yourselves in those sacred months. وَقَاتِلُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ كَافَّةً This was about the calendar. And in the same ayah he says, and fight the mushrikeen all together. Don't leave anyone out. كَمَا قَاتَلُوكُمْ كَمَا يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ كَافَّةً Just like they have been fighting you all together. They've been unified in fighting you. Have the mushrikun ever been unified in fighting the Muslims ever since? No. 
That's a region-specific reality. But what's the calendar thing doing here? What happens is, Allah says in the next ayah, إِنَّمَا النَّسِيءُ زِيَادَةٌ فِي الْكُفْرِ So let me explain this to you. How many months are sacred? Four. The mushrikun also believe that four months are sacred, actually. Since the time of Ibrahim salam, they at least held that much, that four months are sacred, we're not supposed to fight in those four months. But sometimes it was politically very strategic to fight in those months. It was economically very strategic to fight in those months. So they used to adjust the calendar and say, this year, we're moving this month over by 15 days. And we're going to extend this month, instead of being 30 days, it'll be 45 days, so we can fight and kill these guys, and then we'll make it up later, and continue our sacred months. So they used to actually mess with the calendar, just to get away with this. And they've, done, they've been doing this for centuries. Now if you mess with the calendar one time, by one, two days, three days, is it easy to get back to the normal schedule? It becomes impossible. Especially if you keep messing with it over and over again, you can't keep track and it's going on for centuries. You know what's amazing? And it was revealed that actually the day of the Hajj, that when the Prophet was victorious over the Kaaba, that day the calendar recalibrated and lined up again. And actually where it was supposed to be. And that's why Allah said, don't mess with the calendar again like these mushrikun have done. Has any mushrik ever messed with the Islamic calendar, the lunar calendar ever since? What point am I making over and over? Everything in the surah is extremely what? Specific. You can't say this is for the Hindus in India or the Buddhists in, you know, in Malaysia or something else. You can't. يَحْذَرُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ أَن تُنَزَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ سُورَةٌ Then Allah switches the subject to the munafiqoon. They're terrified that some surah will come down against them. The munafiqoon are terrified that a surah will come down against them. That's a historical reality. Because in this surah, Allah dealt with the enemies from the outside, the Romans and the Persians. He dealt with the mushrikun, he dealt with the people of the book, and he dealt with the enemy from within, which is the munafiqun. He dealt with them too. So then the next part of this surah is actually very harsh injunctions against the munafiqun who refused to go out with the Messenger of Allah schemed against him. All of this directly crimes against the Messenger, which will never happen again. أَلَمْ يَأْتِهِمْ نَبَأُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ قَوْمِ نُوحٍ وَعَادٍ وَثَمُودٍ وَقَوْمِ إِبْرَاهِيمٍ وَأَصْحَابِ مَدْيَنٍ وَالْمُؤْتَفِكَاتِ now this is the part I'll, I'll mention, I won't explain, because that's the, that's the last part of this discussion, how everything ties together. Allah says, didn't the news of the nations of Nuh and Ad and Thamud and the people of Ibrahim and the people of Madian, didn't these news come to them? In other words, didn't they realize they're doing the same thing and they're falling into destruction like the people that came before them that were destroyed? Allah is now comparing the Quraysh and the Munafiqun and all of these people to who? Previous destroyed nations, right? And that's very important. Is any nation afterwards going to be compared to those nations? Let me tell you why. You can only compare people to the nation of Nuh if there's a messenger among you. Because when the messenger is among you and you still disbelieve in him, then your nation gets destroyed. If there was no messenger among you, Allah doesn't destroy a nation. Hatta Until Allah sends a messenger. Allah didn't just destroy the aborigines in Australia. Clearly, why not? No messenger. Why was the nation of Salih destroyed? Who came? Salih alayhi A messenger was there. A messenger was rejected. That's the punishment of rejecting a messenger. When he's among you. When he's among you. So the reason the Quraysh are being compared to these nations is because who is among them? Rasulullah Can those nations ever be compared to the Americans or the Australians or the... <laughs> Canadians or the Sri Lankans or anybody else? Why not? 
Because you know, what nations exist today, who's never among them? A messenger's never among them. You can't say, well, th- what will happen to you is the same thing that happened to the people of Nuh. You can't say that anymore. Because you don't have a messenger among you. You can't apply it anymore. So the entire surah is saying, this is very specific to the Quraysh and this region. Ya ayyuhan nabi, jahid al-kuffar wal-munafiqeen. Prophet, you, you directly fight against the kuffar and the munafiqeen. The Prophet is being told. Waghluth, you be harsh against them. We're not even included in that part of the ayah. He says about the munafiqoon, istaghfir lahum aw la tastaghfir lahum in tastaghfir lahum sab'eena marratan lan yaghfir Allah lahum. Allah's Messenger is told, about the hypocrites who were around him, whether you ask forgiveness for them 70 times or not, Allah will not forgive them. Allah will not forgive the munafiqoon even if you, Rasulullah, ask Allah to forgive them. Is Rasulullah around anymore to make istighfar for munafiqeen? No. Which, is, which munafiqoon did he make istighfar for? Who did he ask forgiveness for? The ones that were with him specifically in that time. You know? So I've given you enough examples. I've, I've got a lot more <laughs> of examples of just specific, on top of specific, on top of specific, on top of specific. But now let's actually get into the third discussion, which is the point. The surahs of the Qur'an are a unified whole. They're one united message. Actually, it's not, you know, we, sometimes we study Qur'an, we look at one ayah, and we look at this other ayah, and we look at this other ayah, and we kind of j- join them together. It's become kind of a, a thing. Like, let's understand taqwa in the Qur'an. So let's take all the ayat in all the different places on taqwa, and, and fuse them together. But actually, if Allah wanted us to study that way, and I'm not saying that doesn't have a benefit, but I would argue that has a secondary, tertiary benefit. The way Allah wanted us to learn the Qur'an is the way Allah revealed it. The way it was recited by Jibreel salam to Rasulullah salam. The way Rasulullah recited it to the Sahaba. You see? And what's that way? The entire Fatiha is in a certain order. Baqarah is in a certain order. It's a certain speech. Ali Imran is a certain speech. Ida ja'a wal-Fatih is a certain speech. And in every speech, there's organization. Every surah of the Qur'an is organized by who? By Allah Himself. He says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'in. You can't change the order. Allah decided, He will say this first, then this, then this, then this. And every time Allah chooses an order, is there a reason? Hamiduddin Farahi says, Allah chose that this bone should be here, and this one should be here, and this one should be here. Don't you see there's a reason? You don't think there's a reason why He chose to speak this way? The one who speaks, He doesn't have a reason to speak in the way in which He speaks, the way He organizes His kalam? A surah, Allah, when Allah decides that Tawbah will be a surah, and Anfal will be a surah, Fatiha will be a surah, that means it is one unified speech. It should be looked at as a unit. One message. You have to understand it wholly. You can't take a bit of it, a piece of it, this ayah here, that ayah here, and say, now we're gonna understand Islam. That's, it's the same problem nowadays in communication when somebody's giving a speech. Is it possible you can pull one sentence out of their speech and say something crazy? Look at this guy, what he said. In the beginning of my speech, I was explaining to you the rationale of why you should kill all the mushrikeen. Didn't I? Somebody could take that one clip. Couldn't they? And they said, well, look, look at what Nirvana is saying. He's saying, go and kill all the mushrikeen you possibly can. You could do that. Quran itself says, lil musallin." The most horrible destruction shall fall upon those who pray. That's an ayah. <laughs> Why don't you give a khutbah? You know, for those who pray, they're gonna get the worst part of hell. Wail. The next ayah is, الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَاهُونَ وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ 
If you don't look at the whole, الَّذِينَ جَعَلُوا الْقُرْآنَ عِذِينَ They took the Qur'an and they ripped it to pieces. The reason I'm bringing this up is you have to look at Surah Tawbah as a whole. You have to look at it as one large unit. What is unique about Tawbah? What did I say? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now, let's start at the top. There are some things that all prophets, all prophets share. All prophets shared that they reminded people of who their Lord is, who their Master is. All of them reminded them how loving and merciful and caring Allah is. All of them called them to worship that one God. All of them called for justice and truth, honesty and dealings, prayer without shirk. They called to all of these things and that has been consistent throughout all prophets, including ours, sallallahu alayhi wa right? On top of that, all, no prophet ever said, and all prophets preach sincerity. What does sincerity mean? Sincerity means you can only accept Islam if you genuinely mean to accept Islam. If you accept Islam for any other reason, it's no good. Just like if you force your 25-year-old son to pray, that doesn't really count. He's an adult, unless he's doing this on his own, it's worthless to Allah. It doesn't mean anything. You know, he might as well make the intention, I'm praying full rakah for my mother, Allahu Akbar. You know. <laughs> the thing is, when you say that in this surah, there are people being forced to convert, is that sincere or insincere? Does that count before Allah? Does that, has that ever counted? No. Has the deen of Allah always been a deen of mercy and love? Has it always been the, the, the most constant teachings of Islam? Have they not been patience, justice, prayer, preaching, mercy, da'wah? Have they all not been the constants of Islam? Then somebody comes along and this one surah came, and as a result, all of those things cancelled. Patience? Who needs patience? You have a sword now. Who needs to give da'wah? You have a sword now. And if anything, just give people four months. That's all you gotta do. All of those teachings have been washed away. And then they say this ayah, these ayat, cancel out which ayah? La ikraha fid deen. There's no compulsion in religion. Okay, if it cancels out that ayah. Let's just imagine for a second that's true. Allah says there's no compulsion in religion. That's not the entire ayah. The entire ayah is, La ikraha fid deen, qad tabayyana rushdu min al there's no possibility of forcing anybody into the religion. Truth has become completely distinct from falsehood. Guidance is completely distinguishable from misguidance. Is that cancelled too? If you're gonna say the ayah is cancelled, or the ayah doesn't count, why is that little part of the ayah you know, no longer applicable, the rest of it is still fine? Allah says He replaces an entire ayah. Or He makes an entire ayah forgotten. How do we get to say this piece, this, this is the part that doesn't count anymore? You don't get to do that. Allah, even in the ayah, you know they said, well, previously fighting used to be defensive. You know, وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ الَّذِينَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ Fight in the path of Allah, those who fight you. That part is cancelled, because now you fight everybody who's not Muslim. But that's not the whole ayah. The rest of the ayah is, وَلَا تَعْتَدُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُعْتَدِينَ don't cross limits. Allah doesn't like people who cross the limits. Is that canceled too? It's okay to cross limits now? You see, it doesn't add up. When you, when you start analyzing and carefully thinking about what's being said, it doesn't add up. But that still doesn't answer the question, how are we supposed to understand Surah At-Tawbah? What is it saying then? What is this message then? In order to understand this, now in this, in this last part of the discussion, 
we're going to take a step back and, and really properly try to understand something called the Sunnah of Allah. Allah describes His Sunnah a few times. He says, Sunnat Allah, walan tajida li sunnatillahi tabdila. وَإِذُنْ قَالْ سُنَّةَ اللَّهِ وَلَنْ تَجِدَ لِسُنَّةِ اللَّهِ تَحْوِيلًا Is the legacy of Allah, the way Allah does things, you'll never find any change in the way Allah does things. You'll never find any replacement in the way Allah does things. Allah has a constant way of operating. Okay? So, what is that mode of operation? What is that sunnah of Allah? The simple answer to that is, Allah sent messengers throughout history. Every time He sent messengers, those messengers preached peacefully. And those messengers, the, the tragedy of history is, in the vast majority of those cases, the messengers were rejected by the majority. When the messengers were rejected by the majority, they continued to preach anyway. Until Allah said, there's no hope in these people. It's done. Your, your job is done. What used to happen next? When every messenger came, and the job is, Allah says, no more. Then what happens next? You tell me. Every time, yeah? Every time. That nation gets destroyed in this world, and then they get the punishment in the next world. It's not like the messenger just dies and says, Allah will deal with you on judgment day. No, 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 no. That nation will experience the punishment here. This is what happened to the nation of Nuh, of Salih, of Shu'aib, of Fir'aun. Fir'aun experienced this, right? The nation of Lut, you know, the nation of Hud. Over and over and over and over again, Qur'an keeps saying, this is the sunnah of Allah. This is how Allah deals with nations who reject their messenger. An important distinction. Allah only does this with nations who actually experienced a messenger. Not a nation who heard about a messenger. Only a nation who what? Experienced. He was with them. You know? So, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ Allah says, Allah would never have punished them while still you're still there. You have to be there. Now the thing is, our Messenger ﷺ did exactly what previous Prophets have done. Doesn't Allah compare His mission to previous Prophets in the Qur'an? Over and over again? So Allah is establishing that our Messenger is no different from previous Messengers. Did Quraysh reject the Prophet ﷺ? Was it absolutely clear they're not gonna believe? Yeah, became pretty clear they're not gonna believe. What is the Sunnah of Allah when that happens? Those nations are supposed to be destroyed. According to the sunnah of Allah, Makkah needs to be destroyed. Medina even needs to be destroyed, because the majority of the Jews and Christians in Medina didn't accept Islam. They didn't. They need to be destroyed too. Some punishment from Allah must come to these people. Now the previous punishments of Allah used to be a flood, an earthquake, fire from the sky, wind, you know, rihan sarsaran atiyah, you know, these are the kinds of punishments that used to come. But this time, Allah did something different. Before I tell you what He did, because what He did is actually Surah Tawbah. That's what He did. The punishment of Allah on those who rejected Rasulullah is Surah Tawbah. That's what it is. It's not just another surah. It's the adab of Allah on these people. We'll get through to that in a second, but there's one distinction I need you guys to understand. This is a very important part of understanding this lesson. When, the Nuh, when Nuh used to warn the people that you better believe, if you don't believe, you will be destroyed. They didn't take him seriously. When he was building an ark and a ship, did they take him seriously or no? Nope. When the rain started, light rain, did they take him seriously or no? When the water reaches over here, you're about to drown. At that point, they're taking him very seriously. 
But at that point, Nuh doesn't get to say, didn't I tell you? Ab samaj mein aayi baat. Now you get it? Okay, Ya Allah, please rewind. Let's take the water back down, they get it. Did that ever happen? Once it starts, there's no stopping it. There's no pause button. Did it ever pause? Never. Once the fire from the sky starts, you don't get a preview, get a little bit. You show those two homes? You want more? You want me to show you more? No, 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 no. There's no warning strikes. The only warning you get is the messenger warning with his words. Once the punishment comes, It comes to them all out of nowhere and they don't even realize what's happened. That's what Allah does over and over and over again. Except with Quraysh. The punishment of Allah on the Quraysh was not a flood. It wasn't a fire from the sky. It wasn't a wind. You know what it was? Allah describes it Himself. Guess which surah He describes it in? Take a wild guess. Tawbah. قَاتِلُوهُمْ Fight them. يُعَذِّبُهُمُ اللَّهُ بِأَيْدِيكُمْ Allah will punish them. Allah has punished previous nations too, right? By the way, Muslims fighting is not punishing the disbelievers. Muslims used to fight for justice, fairness, etc. Fighting is not a form of punishment. But in this ayah Allah says, fight them because this is how Allah will punish them بِأَيْدِيكُمْ by your hands. The adab of Allah, the punishment of Allah, which is the same as the punishment of Allah on the nation of Nuh, or the water crushing Fir'aun, or all those punishments. That, the, Allah's version of that punishment for Quraysh is what? The swords of the Sahaba. But then the sword is right here. They can't even fight back anymore. They're humbled. And when the sword is here, just like when the water was here, does the water stop? The water doesn't stop. But the sword was here, and Allah says, wait, stop, four months. This is the first time in human history that Allah sent the punishment, and before finishing the punishment, He did what? Time off. Now you get it, right? Now go, think about it. For how long? Four months. And now you know, you know you've been overpowered. Now you know what I'm, I mean business. When that messenger was warning you in Mecca and you were making fun of him, when you kicked him out of his home and you put him in Medina, when you thought that you were going to crush him in Ahzab, now you know the promise of Allah is fulfilled. Now you know Allah means business. But I'm still giving you four months. This is a mercy given to Rasulullah wasallam that was never given to any nation before. Nobody else ever got it before. This surah does not begin with what? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. But when you, when you get to the end of the surah, Allah describes the messenger, بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَعُوفُ الرَّحِيمُ To those who believe, the messenger is compassionate and merciful. You still have four months to become believers. The surah that doesn't even mention Allah's mercy, at the end mentions the mercy given to Rasulullah It's unbelievable. So amazing. Now the, the point I'm making here, is this surah is the punishment of Allah on these people. And these people deserve what the nation of Nuh deserved. Did anybody survive in the nation of Nuh? Anybody survive among Fir'aun? Nobody survived. Nobody's supposed to survive. So what's the policy Allah gave? When these months are done, فَاقْتُلُوهُمْ فَاقْتُلُوا مُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ Kill them wherever you find them. Surround them. Grab them, surround them, wait to ambush them and kill them. Those are the, those are the ayat that we just read in the beginning. 
Do you realize this is not the foreign policy of Islam? This is Allah fulfilling His sunnah. That's what Allah is doing in these ayat. Now understand that I keep talking about Quraysh, but there are actually multiple audiences. Surah Tawbah, I said you have to look at it as one whole. The first audience, Quraysh. The second audience, the Jews and Christians of Medina. The third audience, the hypocrites. Because they didn't truly believe either. They didn't truly believe either. The fourth audience are the, the Roman and the Persian empires. You all know about the Quraysh, that's obvious. Jews and Christians rejected the Prophet ﷺ, that's obvious. The ones in Medina. I'm not talking about all Jews and Christians. I'm talking about the ones in Medina. The Prophet ﷺ never met the Jews and Christians in Rome. Or met Jews and Christians some some other part of the world. He met the ones that were in Medina. Okay. Then on top of that you have uh, uh, the hypocrites. Who schemed against the Prophet ﷺ, even tried to kill him at one point or the other. Those people. Do they deserve punishment too? Yeah. They should get punishment too. And then finally, it's the people that the Prophet directly engaged it with. Who are the people the Prophet directly engaged with? The Roman ruler and the Persian ruler. He wrote letters to them. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This surah says, anybody the Prophet came into direct contact with and still rejected the Prophet, must be dealt with. They must be dealt with. But they're not all the same. So you don't deal with them, all the same. Quraysh are the biggest criminals. So you give them what? Four months and execute all of them. The second group should be who? Jews and Christians. What does Allah say about them? Allah says about them, fight them because they don't declare the same things haram as you do. Because their books told them it's haram too and they still don't care. I've exposed this enough to them. You must fight them. And their punishment, don't annihilate them. Because they're still people of the book, Allah will give them an extra mercy. Once you overpower them, they must pay a tax and they must be humiliated. And I'm personally of the conviction that that statement is not for all Jews and Christians. It's for the ones in Medina. Because everything in this surah is specific to the seerah of the Prophet Allah is not saying the Jews and Christians that live next to us now, right now should be humiliated. That's not what He's saying. Why should they be humiliated? Why would Allah say in the... Remember I told you there are two surahs that were revealed at the end? Tawbah and what else? Ma'idah. Tawbah is about basically finishing the punishment business. Let's punish whoever needs to get punished. This is the surah of adab. And by the way, that's why it doesn't have what? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Other surahs of the Qur'an have jihad, yes or no? They have. Just because they have jihad doesn't mean they're surahs of punishment. They still have Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This surah is specifically about adab, so it shouldn't have Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The rahmah of Allah is paused for these people. You tell me, by the way, on this note, important note to understand. The rahmah of Allah, the mercy of Allah, for any nation, is there all the time, all the time, all the time. And then it pauses for a few moments when they are destroyed. And once they are destroyed, does the rahmah come back again? Isn't the rahmah of Allah constant? The exception is when Allah punishes, and the rule is Allah is constantly what? Merciful. If you say that Surah At-Tawbah is the final word, and everything before it is cancelled. If you accept that theory, then you're saying that the rahmah of Allah is, is no longer applicable, because the one surah that we're going to apply forever is the one that doesn't have what? Doesn't have mercy. So the religion is no longer a religion of mercy. It's a religion of punishment. Do you understand the implications of even saying that? Like, 
the, the, the relationship humanity has with Allah forever is actually Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. That's the relationship humanity has with Allah. If you accept this theory, then you're actually saying, no, 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 that was until Surah Tawbah came. What is far more consistent is actually the punishment of Allah used to come on deserving nations momentarily, and then for the rest of humanity, the Rahmah of Allah still continues. And actually, not mentioning Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the beginning of Surah Tawbah, in my view, this is my own view, is one of the greatest mercies of Allah ever. One of the most profound mercies of Allah in the Qur'an is that He didn't mention Bismillah here. Why? Because this is evidence that the last time that the Rahmah of Allah will stop for a people is this, this incident. And from here until the end of times, all humanity can all constantly enjoy what? The Rahmah of Allah. The doors of Rahmah are now forever open. This was the last time Allah closed those doors. This is the last time Allah closed those doors. It's amazing. So, so beautiful. You know, the, the doors of Rahmah were closed on the people of Nuh when the flood started. The doors of Rahmah were closed on Fir'aun when the, when the water came and crushed him. The doors of Rahmah were closed on these people in these four months and what came thereafter. And that's it. There's no more ever the doors of Rahmah ever closing again. And that's when you understand when you go back and study Ar-Rahman Allam Al-Qur'an. The, the constantly forever exceedingly merciful is the one who taught the Qur'an. Subhanallah. So now, this, this, this piece about uh, this applicable to those few groups that I mentioned. The munafiqun were the next group. The munafiqun conspired against the Prophet ﷺ. They are to be taken very serious, very harshly. Do you nowadays know who's munafiq and who's not munafiq? You don't know. Most of the Prophet's seerah we didn't know. Most of the time we didn't know. Even the leaders of, leaders of the hypocrites, Abdullah ibn Ubay, who we know later on, when he even started a scandal against our mother, radiallahu anha, he started a scandal against Aisha radiallahu anha. When Rasulullah got up on the mimbar and complained about him, he said, مَنْ يَعْذِرُنِي مِنْ رَجُلٍ قَدْ بَلَغَنِي أَذَاهُ فِي أَهْلِ بَيْتِي Who's gonna get rid of a person because of whom pain has come to my family? He couldn't even name him. And all of the sahaba were like, in كَانَ مِنَ الْأَوْسِ in Kanamil al Khazraj, if he if this guy is from Aus or if this guy is from Khazraj, you let us know who it is, we'll take care of it. Like they didn't know. They didn't know either. You know what that shows? The, the munafiqun were hidden. The hypocrites were what? Hidden. Until Surah Tawbah. This is the surah to punish people. And now Allah openly just declares who's who and what's what. And he tells the Prophet, Jahid al Kufar wal Munafiqeen. Fight against the Kufar, I've already told you that, and Munafiqeen too. Fight them too. You know, it's important to note here about the hypocrites that um, the military, the Muslim military, in all of the previous battles of Islam, was voluntary. If you joined the army, you volunteered. You were not told to join, or you're not a disbeliever if you don't join, etc. The one time it was actually a draft. You know what a draft is, right? You have no choice but to join. Was in the battle of Tabuk, when Surah At-Tawbah was revealed. And so to deal with the Romans, Allah said basically every capable man, woman, or every capable man must join the military. And the hypocrites used to get away with making excuses before, but now Allah says don't accept their excuses. That will show who, who the hypocrites are. And you need to come after them too. This is why Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala, you know what he said about this surah? He said before this surah there used to be hypocrite and disbeliever. After this surah they're one. It's like Allah didn't even separate between the two. 
That's the hypocrites. Then the next nations left, the groups left, are the, the, the Roman and the Persian empires. These two empires, they're big powers, they're, they're major civilizations. And you, you know, superpowers keep a very close eye on what's going on in their regions. And who's in their region? The Arabs. But the Arabs are like nobody. Like you don't really care what's going on in Arabia because there's no oil yet. You know? But now they've heard there's some stir happening in Arabia. There's actually even record of the Roman and the Persian kings discussing the coming of Islam in Arabia because it shook the entire region. It shook the entire... They were worried about it. In the, so they had their intelligence and their operations kind of figuring out what's going on with this Islam thing. In the middle of all of that, the Rasul sends letters to them. And he lets them know, you guys are people of power, you guys are civilizations. Now Allah has given the Messenger dominion over this land and He can show the world what the religion of Ibrahim was supposed to look like. The religion of justice, the religion of truth, the religion of fairness. You should learn from this and implement this in your lands. He didn't write to them until he had a model to show. Now he has a model to show. You know, there's two kinds of da'wah we learn in the seerah. There's the da'wah of individuals. You're talking to a Christian, a Jew, a mushrik. You're talking to them individually. Then there's a da'wah to civilizations. Now the Muslims have established themselves as a civilization. So one civilization is inviting to Islam another civilization. And for that, a letter from a ruler to a ruler is enough. It's not individual preaching and going. There needs to be some extra years where the Prophet goes to Rome and does da'wah like he did in Mecca. No, 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 no. no. Now this is civilization too. Civilization, Allah considered that enough for the Messenger, They rejected, they didn't just reject, they, they killed ambassadors. Killing an ambassador even today in international law is an act of what? It's an act of war. They declared war against Allah's Messenger. They must also be dealt with. And so the initiation, the military initiation against them is also mentioned in Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah is about all the people who dealt with the Prophet directly and violated his message in one way or the other. And they must be punished. Now by contrast, this is why I'm arguing that this surah is not a cancellation of all the principles of Islam. This is actually a fulfillment of the sunnah of Allah. That's the point. What's the other surah I said was revealed around the same time? Ma'idah. Completely different surah. Study it yourself. Study Ma'idah yourself. What do you find? Allah will tell you in Maida that you can eat with the people of the book. What they eat, you can eat. And not only can you eat what they eat, they should eat what you eat. Which means, by the way, you know, this didn't mean McDonald's and Burger King. You know what that meant? Go over to their house and you can eat. And invite them over to your house and they can eat. Make friends with them. Here's a surah that says they must pay like this and they must be humiliated. And now Allah is saying, go eat with them and you go eat with them. What? Different message, isn't it? And then He says, cooperate with them. Ta'awanu ala al-birri wa taqwa. Cooperate in good things. We were just supposed to fight with them, now cooperate? Akiyah. How, how do you cooperate with people you're fighting with? Then He says, you can marry among them. Oh, we're just fighting with them, now marrying among them? I mean, that's, that makes sense in Punjab. Like, you fight with people and marry them, but like, how does that make sense? Because actually, the universal policies of Islam are not Surah At-Tawbah. 
the universal international policies of Islam are what? Surat Al-Ma'idah. You've got this all wrong. Ma'idah was actually, how are you going to deal with the Christian and Jewish civilizations? When you expand and you go and you meet with them and interact with them, how are you going to be as Muslims around them? That's what that was. How are you going to make da'wah to them? And even when Allah criticizes their religions in Surah Al-Ma'idah, He says, Allah will deal with you on Judgment Day. Allah will deal with you on Judgment Day. Even in Surah At-Tawbah actually, when Allah criticized some of the beliefs of the Jews, the corrupt leadership of the Jews and the Christians, Allah mentions how He will deal with them on Judgment Day. There's a distinction between us engaging with people, and you know, the, especially in the seal of the Prophet and Allah dealing with people in Yawm Qiyamah. It's a big distinction between them. I feel this, this, you know, and by the way, the reason I took a separate session out just to talk about this case of this surah cancels out everything that came before it is because of the times we live in, guys. Like, this stuff is quoted, uh, and it's quoted by crazy, some really crazy Muslims, and it's also quoted by like evangelicals and the Donald Trump types, etc. You know, they're gonna quote this stuff, and we don't know, we get like stumped. How do we answer this? Your Quran says, kill them wherever you find them. Yeah, it actually did say that. We killed them, wherever you found them. Which is the same as the biblical laws of destruction of nations. They know about the legacy of God too. They know what happened to the nation of Noah. They know what happened to the, you know, to the Pharaoh. They know that stuff. This is actually just that stuff. So I, I pray that that's become clear, inshallah ta'ala, that the, the, the concept of nas as we have sometimes oversimplified, can have pretty damaging consequences. Especially to our concept and our worldview of the religion, of, of our deen, you know. It's an unnecessarily aggressive, and I would, say, I would argue unfairly aggressive view of our deen, which doesn't even reflect the teachings of the book. So may Allah Azza wa give us a, a genuine, clear understanding of His book. And may Allah Azza wa give us the ability not only to, to implement it and live by it, but to spread its message to humanity. Barakallahu li walakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim, wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil-ayat wa al-Hakim. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Qur'an across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.